Hey guys, welcome to Bag and Boardcast, episode number 455. I am Chris. I'm John. And I am Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out September 2nd, 2021. Then we always follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're bringing you our monthly look back for some of the comic books we read in August 2021. We got a lot of books to talk about, guys. Yeah, we don't list them at the beginning no. anymore. That was just a I fool's mean, errand. I mean, we got. We you got, already know we're going to be talking about it, so. We got better things to do at the top of the show, and that is to drink and review beer. Chris, yes. what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a beer I'm looking to my friend Paul to tell me a little bit more about. Uh, this is coming to me from Sideward Brewing here in Orlando, and this is um, part of their Tiki Sour line. They've done a couple of these already. They did a zombie, um, and they did a, was it like a Blue Hawaiian? Mm-hmm. And this one is a painkiller. Uh, it's a painkiller-style mm-hmm. Florida device. It has pineapples on the can. Uh, it's obviously a, a tiki drink, but then there's like some palm fronds. Uh, it looks like there's a banana, but it looks like a dolphin. So, Paul, what actually goes in a painkiller? Painkiller. Since you are the tea drink always... maven here, I've never made a painkiller. Wait, pain wait. Killer. This is this is going to be my favorite moment of the podcast when Paul's like, hmm, "Let me think," and then he's like, <laughs> I "Google it." Yeah, I actually have never made a painkiller, so I will Google it. Okay. Well, there's no description. Um, it's a uh, four ounce. It's pineapple juice, orange juice. And cream of coconut. Okay, I don't know why. Uh, and then the, with uh, some rum. The pineapple, not the pineapple. I'm um, sorry, the banana dolphin on here. Then, um, it's good. I don't like it as much as the other tiki sours that they've done. It's fine. I picked up a four pack of it from the brewery. I had one while I was there, and I was like, you know what, this is refreshing enough. There's enough of that pineapple taste that this is something I'd be fine just to have sitting around and then like save one for the show. Um, not overly enthused about it, but I'm not mad at it. I, I, I just unfortunately don't have a lot to say because it's it's fine. Or it's fine. Yeah, I've tried those tiki's from Rogue. Yeah, not Rogue. Uh, from Stone Stone Brewery, and I don't think they really deliver on that tiki. You know, uh, tiki flavors, but that's okay because. I can just make what up tiki, tiki, drinks. tiki tiki drinks. What tiki drinks from Stone? They have one called Tiki, but it's like it's just like an IPA. It's like a tropical, yeah, a tropical IPA. IPA. But they had a tiki variety pack. They had the yeah. It was just their summer one because it had that tiki beer oh. in it. it oh. Those none of those beers were meant to taste like tiki drinks. Well, then why do they have tea? They no, they had a um, Scorpion Bowl. Scorpion Bowl, which is a beer that's been out for like yeah, five years. Uh, that. Tiki Tiki Express, uh, Tangerine, oh, Express. Tangerine Express. Again, that beer's yeah. that beer's been out for five years. It's just a variety pack of their beers. Okay. Well, yeah, I was they, they, I was looking. They had the, they had Scorpion Bowl and they had the other Tiki drink. Both of them did not deliver on the Tiki promise. <laughs> what part of that statement is a lie, John? What part of that statement is a lie? They did not deliver a Tiki flavor in those two beers. <laughs> Yeah, uh, is it a lie? 
Yeah, because it looks like they've actually done two of these packs. Um, and I'm also speaking from memory. I didn't just Google this as well. Because um, this other one had the Scorpion Bowl, Vengeful Spirit IPA, Tangerine Express Hazy, and then Buena Vesa Salt and Lime Lager. Um, can confirm. Paul, I don't think they were very uh, tiki if I'm remembering this <laughs> correct as well. <laughs> they labeled it as tiki, though. From uh, what I know, it was called, indeed, the uh, Stone Tiki Escape Mixed Pack. Yeah. John. Sam. John. For their, we for their we, sub, their we sub rest our pack. collective case. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Because Paul is known for taking everything at face value uh-huh. and as literal as possible. So, yeah. but Because I, when things are marketed to me as Tiki Escape, yes. Yeah, I, I get that. Like, you I, call something like... Again, like the, I'm trying to think, not necessarily like the 12 beers of Christmas, but I'm going to expect to get like 12 Christmas beers in there. Yeah. And then you give me a Mexican lager. I'm going to be like, well, this isn't very Christmassy. The Elysian, whatever they call it, pumpkin pack, pumpkin patch pack, whatever it is. I mean, those are all pumpkin beers. That's exactly what I expected that pack to have, you know? It's been also... Very hard to save those last four from that pack in my refrigerator for whenever we wind up doing it, because they're all fantastic. Spoilers for whenever we talk about that. Yeah. No, I agree. I bought the pack last year. I was very pleased with it. I brought in like 20 cases of it for this fall. And John, what uh, did you bring to the Paul, show what? today? Sorry, I was already segueing, so now you have to go. Uh, I am drinking from local brewery Froth Brewing, who's got a new branding for their cans. Very balloony fun. Uh, this is a smoothie-style hard seltzer coming in at 5%. And this is mango, pineapple, and coconut. This is gluten-free. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that they took one of their lollipop fruit smoothie sours and just mixed it with a seltzer because it's the exact same body just with carbon, <laughs> like really thick carbonation to it. Um, it still looks like mango puree in the glass. Um, it tastes like mango puree. It leaves a residue on the sides of your glass. Uh, it's delicious. Um, Caitlin came down and tried it and tried to steal it from me um, and then kept continuing to come back and take more and more sips out of it so uh it's really nice would it come in a tiki pack though you see you could probably put this in a tiki pack i mean you got the coconut you got the pineapple instead of what was the other ingredient uh your fruit your sour or was it orange Orange juice juice. yeah and uh and the so instead of orange so instead of orange juice it's mango juice so it's very close to uh, a, a tiki drink um, yeah, no, this is definitely very tiki uh, and, and quite, quite delicious. Um, four pack, 16 ounce cans. It's like $25 for the four pack. Something fun to bring home and share, but not something I would buy on a weekly basis. And I think I'd only buy it if the flavors were like, oh yeah, I'd really like those. I really like this, but I probably wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gotten it because of the coconut, and I would think it would be too coconutty. But 
the mango and the pineapple really just overpower anything in this. The mango, 100%, is like the main flavor you get. Nice. Um, Paul, you're, from what I gather, drinking the stone tiki pack tonight. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I had those on the show before. Uh, I am drinking from Brooklyn uh, Brewery. At Brooklyn Brewery, yeah. In Utica, New York. They're uh, special effects. This is their... Well, they're, they're from Brooklyn, New York, but the beer itself is canned yeah. in Utica at Saranac Brewing. Cool. FX Again. Mats. What part of my statement was a lie? What what part? You said Brooklyn Brewery from yeah, Utica. From Utica, because that's from. where this beer that I'm drinking is from. But the brewery's not from yep. there. But this, well, where's I mean, this beer from? Last week what, did, from what, did, what did you guys ask me? Did you guys ask me what beer I'm drinking? Or did you ask me what brewery I got it from? And where I got it from? Uh, yeah, but you said this is from Brooklyn. Uh, is it brewery? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah no, mean, it's brewery John, from Utica, John, New York. Last week I had yeah. Sunlab. From Miami, but it was from Carolina, so. Yeah. You can be from two places. It can be, but the brewery itself is from Brooklyn. That was the statement he made. Not the beer. He didn't say. The beer I got is from Brooklyn Brewery, from Utica, because that's what it says on the can. Yeah. Yeah. Your NA NA beer was made in Utica. I just think it's weird that this came in that stone pack, though. (laughs) <laughs> it contains less than uh, 5% or 0.5% alcohol by volume 12 fluid ounces and uh, I'm guessing this is their pale this doesn't taste like much at all it's uh, kind of disappointing I put it in a cozy so it wouldn't make as much sound when I put it down on the table oh, I moved my microphone away from my can guys sorry yeah but now it's by the speaker so when you're playing videos it's really loud <laughs> No, this is very light. It's not a great. It's not a go-to. It's not going to be a go-to NA for me uh, next time I'm looking to get an NA. Like, but maybe the I got their IPA version as well. This one is from. Uh, it doesn't say which where it was canned in. So I, he's, I don't he's know. Gotta, maybe he's got to keep it going out. Support. That's yeah, what yeah. he went the whole time. So. So, but I'll, I'll be trying that in a little bit. See how it goes. And you know what? Mm. A lot of people have... Uh, hold on. Let me, let me try again. Uh, three, two, one. And something that's been trying <laughs> a lot of people is the Wait for the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. And we actually wound up getting it uh, on Tuesday as part of CinemaCon. It leaked out the day before, and did you guys try to watch the leaked version of this at all, or were you aware of what it was? I heard it was leaked, and then when I went to view it, it was some guy's videotaping like his computer or his friend's mm-hmm. phone on his phone, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not going to watch yeah. this. I'll just wait a day or two yeah, when it comes out. That's exactly what the leak was, because the trailer had been leaked from someone who was working at one of like the special effects or editing studios. Uh, and then it was recorded on someone's cell phone. And then they recorded it off of someone else's cell phone and put it on TikTok. And then what you were watching was a recording of that recording from someone's phone, from someone's phone, from online. Uh, I'll admit it. I was excited to see this. So when I searched it out, I tried watching it and I was like, oh, I can't see any of this. And the sound quality on it is absolutely terrible. So I stopped. Uh, luckily enough, 
it was officially released the next day. And shortly after that, it has skyrocketed to being the most watched Marvel movie trailer yet to be released. Uh, last time I had seen it, it was at 355 million videos, beating Avengers Endgame's like 298 million. So people, yeah, in the first 24 hour period, people are excited about uh, this movie, and it's kind of one of those things. Like I understand they want to keep things hush hush, keep it secret. Um. But nothing that came out of this trailer wasn't anything that had kind of already been spoiled or rumored or leaked from, like, the set. Or even, like, Alfred Molina was, like, asked, like, mm, Spider-Man. And he's like, yeah, I don't fucking care. Let me tell you all about how I'm in the new Spider-Man movie. Because, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, so no shocks from this trailer from me. But it still looks awesome. Like, Paul... As the resident, not a Spider-Man fan, have you watched this? I watched this trailer three times because I was like, I don't know what's going on in this trailer. Like, what's... What are they doing? <laughs> and then Alpha Rolina shows up as Doc Ock and he goes, hello, Peter. And I'm like, wait, would he, re would he recognize that Spider-Man as Peter Parker? Because because he he's not as gangly as... Uh, is a Tom Holland is a little smaller and not as gangly as Tobey Maguire was. So I'm like, Tobey Maguire was like a beefcake in that suit. He was also like 30. That's why the, ga <laughs> the, the gangly one was uh, Garfield. Oh, Andrew Garfield. He was the lanky. He was the lanky, the thin lanky one. Oh. But he's taller than Tom Holland, right? I don't know. You'd have to put him in okay, line. But also, the thing but, is, you we know, don't know when that scene takes place because yeah. maybe he, again, heavily rumored, Tobey Maguire is in the movie, so he could actually be saying that to, you know, Tobey Maguire's Peter. Like he could see, you know, a Spider-Man and knows that oh, this is Peter Parker because of just his knowledge of who's who from that movie. Like we, yeah. we, we don't know when. People are being plucked out of multiverse stuff, but it and somehow it's. I just like that uh, that Doctor Strange is also working in a freezer this week. It's it's nice to see that kind of solidarity. Uh, like, so when I saw that scene, I don't know if maybe something happened where something went wrong with some casting, and now it's covered in snow, or if there's still like a giant hole in the roof from when the Hulk smashed through, and they just never <laughs> fixed it, but. There's no snow outside when Peter goes is outside that, coming in. It doesn't so. mean necessarily anything though. Like this could be taking place over time. Like who knows? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because only there is a rumor going out that uh, after Doctor Strange casts that spell, even Doctor Strange then a little bit later forgets Peter Parker is Spider Man, and that's why you get the scene of him like punching. Peter Parker's soul out of the Spider-Man costume. And also that fight scene on the train might actually be a fight between Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Could be. Don't know. Could, Could be. be. Who knows? It's all, it's all this trailer gave me nothing. And he watched it three times. I watched I think, it three times trying to figure out what it was trying to give me. I'm like, I got nothing. I think I watched it twice. Well, it. yeah, I've watched it twice. It really breaks down what the, the, the multiverse is collapsing. You know, the really trying to drive that home in case you didn't watch Loki. If you're not up on the Disney stuff, they kind of give you like, hey, this is... 
this is what's going to be happening. And that's why they're showing Alfred and Molina to really drive that home as like, oh, the villains from other movies are coming in. So I think what's kind of fun, too, is everyone was supposing like, oh, it's Wanda that's breaking the multiverse. And then it's like, oh, no, it actually happens in Loki. And now that we actually have something from Spider-Man No Way Home and you get to see Doctor Strange and Spider-Man messing with reality on its own. Maybe this is just another kind of version of the week in the beginning of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Phase 1, where they find Captain America, Thor's hammer lands in New Mexico, uh, Iron Man 2 happens, and then there's something else like that all happened in the space of a week. It's basically what happened in the last episode of What If. Like That's all just how things played out. Like Maybe this is just a convergence and weird coincidence that everybody's kind of messing with uh, time and space at the exact same time, which just leads to the ultimate breakdown of reality. Like Maybe these aren't all connected. Maybe it's just like... What's it called Like when everyone has... Serendipity? Serendipity, but it's like everyone has the same idea zeitgeist? at the same time. Like, oh... DreamWorks does it's ants, in the but then Pixar's doing A Bug's Life just at the same fucking time. Like, everyone's like, all right. Like, independent thought, like, I don't know. There's a name for it. I'm not going to look it up, though. I'll look I, it up I later and I, pretend I remembered it. I said what I thought you were talking about, but I don't think you either heard me or it was not right. No, I, I heard it, and but I was just trying to, like, remember what it was yeah. by talking through it. So not that. It wasn't that. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the looks of it. It looks fun. Um, no, I'm looking forward to seeing this movie. I, I uh, it's multiple discovery think... or simultaneous invention, uh, is the hypothesis mm. that, uh, scientific discoveries and inventions are made independently and more or less simultaneously, uh, by the same, uh, by scientists and inventors. That's what it's called. Uh, it's a thing. I didn't make it up. Like, like the karaoke machine. Mm-hmm. Really? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. You guys said that at the same time. Because <laughs> we both listened to Good Job Brain. Uh, <laughs> I, I stopped, also the automobile. Uh, I, I stopped my subscription to it because they hadn't put out an episode for like five years. So, Oh, the last ten have been really good. They're doing seasons now of 10. Uh, yeah, I I really liked the look, the feel of this. I'm interested to seeing where it's all going to go. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the rumored characters and if characters are going to make multiple appearances. Like, could you have Gwen Stacy, Gwen Stacy, and then Spider-Gwen? Like, could you have these kind of characters playing two different roles inside the, the same movie? Is it just going to be snippets that you're going to see these characters kind of hop in, do some damage, and then get pulled out? Like, who knows? And then um, the internet, uh, did you guys see the thing about Doc Ock? Young. That it is the good Doc Ock that's come through and not the... Oh, wait, red, red uh, light versus white light? Hmm. Yeah. But I don't, I wouldn't know. <laughs> would, uh, the the light on the hand is so small. Like I watched that trailer three times, and the third time I tried to s- s- check for the middle light, and I couldn't tell what light it was. Because so, hey, can you tell, John? Is it white or red? 
when it comes, you know, when it's doing that thing. I, I saw that it was red. So that's... But I slowed somebody... I watched somebody putting up, like, a, a slow motion, motion version of it so you could see that it's red. So that's bad Doc Ock, then. No, that's good Doc Ock. When it's white, it's... The uh, the tentacles are taking... I'm going to have to watch yeah, that I, movie again. I don't... Because I, I was pretty sure red is bad. Um... But I, I kind of like it. It might be continuing on that story arc of him saving the day of him being good. Ooh, Paul doesn't like his next character. <laughs> this, this was the IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that it's continuing. It's not just bringing him in and he's the the villain from right right mm-hmm. then. Um, but it might be the good guy. But he also then all all of a sudden might get fried again and and lose uh, lose yeah. it and become the bad guy. But I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to this. And then we got another trailer, and that's for the Internals guys. Did this make you guys want to see this movie more? Uh, I'm happy to see more about this movie because we should have already seen it by now. Um, we've talked about this previously, mm-hmm. just with everything being pushed back. Um, but what I liked about this trailer is it kind of answered everyone's like fanboy nitpick, like popular, like oh well, the Eternals are here. Uh, why do they do anything against Thanos or the event? Like, the Chichari. Well, because they literally just say in this one, like, no, like, they were forbidden to by the Celestials. Like, that's, it is what it is. Um, and they listen. And this one finally kind of gives us what their purpose is. Um, outside of having any knowledge of them from the comics, everything that we've seen so far has been very vague and just like, oh, Superpower people have been here for thousands of years. That's it. Um, mm-hmm. This kind of sold me more, even though I was already excited for it. I I like the general idea of it, and maybe now we're able to see more just because they've had time to finish up some of those effect shots, so we're getting to see some more of the action. Well, they got the eye blast down. Because I feel like you see they, that a lot in this. I feel like they need to do something too to show you that, like, no, these people have powers. Like, because it's not just them like standing around a table talking. Like, they're actually doing more um, mm-hmm. to show you that. Like, yes, this is a Marvel movie. It will have some excitement and effects and special Uber space battle kind of things. I like it though. Like, it it looks pretty slick. I'm I'm excited for this. I think I'm still looking more forward to. Uh, Shang-Chi, which is coming out mm-hmm. like next week. Uh, I'm amped up for that one because I think that just looks like it's a cool, fun movie that happens to take place in the MCU. Um, but I I have nothing against either one of these movies. Yeah, uh, I think it looks nice. It l- looks kind of like, you know, an over-the-top uh, science fiction thing with a very sleek design, except for the Divergence, which looked like just weird tentacly creep like mutant dogs and i'm like well, at least the one that he's fighting yeah like on the beach there mm-hmm. i'm like all right well i could have what were better creature design maybe there because the spaceships that they have look cool but i also just watched the trailer for foundation so i'm having a hard time separating those two in my mind right now i feel because they're both very uh, art house sci-fi ish just- coming out of this i also feel like this movie is not going to make me a fan of the eternals in the comics though like i i still stand by like if 
Kieran Gillen doing an arc and like relaunching an uh, Eternals book could make me care. Like, I don't think the movie's going to make me care, but I'm excited for them in the MCU at least. But especially, wasn't it like Essek Ribbit, uh, his art in it too? Mm-hmm. Like, it just, I, every time we've tried to read these books, I just can't get into them at all. And because my problem with the Eternals in the comic books, it seems like they were designed to be a uh, an answer for a question nobody was really asking. Like, oh, well, who created the Inhumans? And who and who uh, experimented on the Kree? And who, you know, caused this to happen? It's like, well, the, the Eternals did it all, kind of? Like... Because the, who? What is Thanos? Well, Thanos is actually a, a Titan who's part eternal and part, you know, divergent, or whatever. Whatever it is. is it divergent or something? I think he's supposed to be a divergent, yeah. um, which makes which poses the question: Then why wouldn't they stop Thanos? Because he's also part eternal. Mm. Because he's the um, son of Alars, who is an eternal. I think it's just Jack Kirby was like, "Hey, do what, do what you did with the New Gods," or he did this first and is like, "I can do this better. I'm going to go do the New Gods, whichever came first. I don't know, but yeah, I I'm not sold on this movie. It's not one that would get me into the theaters to see. Like, if I heard really good things about it, I would see it when it came out." Like when it came out on streaming or on Disney Plus, but I don't think I would pay the money to actively go to see it in the theater. And I think there's only a couple movies. Spider Man, if they're only releasing Spider Man in the theaters, I think I would have to go see it because I wouldn't want anyone to spoil anything for it. And like Dune, like if they only put Dune out in the theaters, like I feel like that's another one that it's like, okay, you got my money, you got my butt in the seat, I'll go see it in the theater. Uh, coming out for my birthday, so that's part of my uh, birthday week plans. Hey, yeah. All right. Any other trailer tree news? Uh, no trailer tree beyond that. But something else that was announced today is coming from HBO Max. We're going to be getting a standalone Black Canary movie uh, from Lovecraft Country's creator Misha Green, starring Journey Smollett, who actually starred as Black Canary in uh, Birds of Prey, which I sat down and watched, I think maybe last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, uh, and I enjoyed it definitely better than 2016 Suicide Squad. I didn't like as much as The Suicide Squad, um, but talked about it again like a little bit ago, but I'm, I'm okay with this. Like This is something I would probably watch. Would it get you to go to the theaters? No. Are, this, oh, wait. Are you talking about well, this, Yeah, this Black is the HBO now. Max one. So. Sorry, I was I was zoning out about my beer that I'm drinking. It's okay. Um, Sorry. But again, if, even if it was released in theaters, probably not since I waited three years to see Suicide Well, no, actually it was more than that. Like, almost five years for Suicide Squad and then like two years for Birds of Prey. Like, it takes a lot for me to move on a DC movie, I think. 
Was this going to be a movie or was it going to be a series? Uh, everything I saw said movie. Okay. Maybe I just thought it would be better as a series. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's interesting to see where it's going to go. She starred with Jonathan Majors, who played, uh, who play, who's playing Kang, the Conqueror, um, in Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country, um, which I thought she was excellent in, in that show, just like Jonathan Majors was excellent in it. Um, so, yeah, no, I think... I think she's an actress who has got good presence, and I think if they make a story that's better suited to the, what that character actually is, she can do a good job with the character. That was my biggest takeaway from Birds of Prey, is none of those characters felt like the actual characters they were supposed to be until like a, a fight scene at the end of the movie. Like Nobody was Black Canary until she was Black Canary. Same thing with, like, Huntress. Cassandra Cain wasn't even Cassandra Cain. Like, <laughs> it's... And I think the movie kind of suffered for that. Like, there was no real distinction between who anybody was. Um, again, until the end. But yeah, I, would, I would watch this, you know, as long as it's on HBO Max and something I can just, like, put on and check out something. Paul? Does, does yes. this move you at all? No, because I haven't seen... Suicide Squad or the Suicide Squad or the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. So, uh, and I don't have HBO Max. So, and this doesn't make me want to pick it up. It's just another thing to throw on the DC pile of movies. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, it can be enjoyable. It's. I don't feel like I'm missing out though. I think there's plenty of entertainment out there. There is, and Paul, some entertainment that you like is the video games. Oh yeah, them video games. You play with the controllers, you play with the keyboards yep. and the joysticks. Yeah, and it's coming out in the video game from Firaxis Game Studios and 2K uh, Publisher. Uh, this is Marvel Midnight Suns. This is taking on the story, the 1990s storyline uh, for Marvel Comics that I don't remember, but it's all about Lilith, the queen of, or the mother of all demons, uh, coming back and wrecking havoc and basically a bunch of anti-heroes like you know mystic heroes team up like uh blade dr strange uh captain america no, no uh in the comic book i don't know if captain america does but nobody's in the game yes he is in the game so in this video game you're you're playing kind of like this, that story but you're playing as the hunter who is a customizable character that is also the child of Lilith and uh, you're going to be joined by 12 heroes just like John said uh, Captain America, Ghost Rider, Doctor Strange Iron Man, Wolverine, Magic Nico from Runaways uh, Captain Marvel and we already said Blade right? Yep. That's all. That'll be all uh, of them. So I saw So you don't even get to you don't even get to play as the Marvel characters They're on your squad so you'll control them and move them around like every mission you get to um, you get to pick because this is going to be a turn-based strategy game kind of like uh, XCOM so it'll be your character teamed up with probably 2 to 3 maybe 4 I don't know how many you'll take out out on each mission and you'll do turn-based strategy uh, video game type stuff so to defeat this sounds awful when I saw, to defeat uh, demons when I saw the trailer for it I thought this was going to be more in line with 
like the more recent Marvel games we've gotten, like Avengers or the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy, or even something like an Ultimate Alliance kind of thing, where you have like a team you put together, yeah. you get to control them. Mm-hmm. Multiplayer, you jump between people, however you want to do it. So when you told me that was actually going to be like a tactics based game, I was kind of like, is, is anyone going to actually play that? Because outside of mobile, I don't think a tactics game will have a big following, especially when there's a lot more actual like action based games out there that people have access to, I guess. I don't know. I'm just weirded out by the choice. Well, I, it might be available on mobile since it's going to be released on the Epic Game Store, which is, I think, available on mobile because Fortnite's on there. Um, but, I mean, um, Epic also has a ton of other stuff. Like, that's what I play Borderlands on because it's through, like, the Epic launcher. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not feeling it. I mean, it might it looks what? cool. Like, I like the kind of weird pseudo mystic armor that everybody has on, and it's... A weird cast of characters, which I like, but I think I would kind of like this idea a little bit more if it was like the X-Men Legends Ultimate Alliance type gameplay. Like, let me customize my characters, jump between them, like put together the actual Midnight Sun team with Blade, Morbius. Well, you'll be able to customize them with, I'm sure, skin, you know, different skins. Because if you sign up for their noodle sweater, you get a, a premium uh, blade skin for free. Yeah, I had a lot more fun playing Blade and Ultimate Alliance though, than I think I would like just moving him across in squares. <laughs> All right, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm intrigued. You have my attention. We'll see how it goes, though. Well, speaking of how things are going, Paul, you wanna you wanna talk about your next beer? Yeah, it's not going good. It's is that all the news? Uh, the only other thing I had was Dominic Thorne will be appearing as Riri Williams in Black Panther: Wakanda Forever before uh, Ironheart, which is set to de- debut on Disney Plus. And that's the news story. Like, there's there's not much else besides that. So, I'm a little bit more excited to see what they. Well, I'm just interested in what they're going to do with Wakanda Forever, just because like what can you do? But introducing Riri Williams, a character that I never read haven't seen she hasn't had a big hero moment in one of the big crossover events that i've read either yeah. even though i jump on the first issue and then fall quickly off them so that's probably on me but uh yeah my next beer is the brooklyn breweries special effects ipa non-alcoholic and this just tastes like muddy dirty water this this is not pleasant in its flavor mm. profile like it's like they try to dry hop a a a, uh, a seltzer water, and it didn't work. Sorry to hear that, John. Does your beer uh, work out a little bit better? Well, yeah, mine holds up a little bit better. Uh, guys, if you were in Buffalo and I said, "Oh, you want to get some uh, charbroiled hot dogs?" What restaurant would you want to go to? Ted's. Ted's. Yeah, and this is Mister Ted's. Pills. This is a German Pilsner coming from Thin Man Brewery mm. in conjunction with the anniversary of Ted's. And uh, this is a 4.9 Pilsner. Um, this is the perfect, brilliant, grilling companion. And I went to Ted's today Ooh. for dinner. Do they have this uh, there? Okay. 
Okay. No, because they don't. I didn't think alcohol. so. I mean, last time I went to Ted's, I got a Loganberry, and I don't remember ever seeing if they had beer there. But again, this was like eight years ago, probably. So. Yeah, Mighty Taco has alcohol now. They do have alcohol now. So oh, you know, well, they have the Ted's beer. They have Ted's. Yeah. Um. Yes. This is nice. I can see standing outside on an 85-degree day grilling this beer being excellent. Right now, in a cool basement in the evening, it's good. But it definitely needs, like, if it was hot as hell out and I was standing in front of a fire, this beer would probably be like, oh, yeah, this is great. That's all. Uh, my beer would also be great for a hot day, and sitting inside in front of a computer on, you know, a, a decently warm, humid evening, uh, it's still quite refreshing. And this is coming from Hidden Springs Ale Works in Tampa Bay, uh, and this is their Teas in the Trap. This is a black tea and lemonade inspired sour ale. Uh, it's basically mm. an Arnold Palmer in sour beer form. Uh, this is delightful. I've actually picked up two four-packs of this and crush them all because it's just a great sit-down drinker. I don't see the ABV listed on here. Okay, 5.5%. Um, it's super light. It does have that nice like black sun tea kind of like tannin up front, and then you get that sour lemon bite on the back end. Uh, this is delightful. If I see this at my beer store again next time I go, I will be picking up another four-pack just to have in the fridge like this is a perfect hot day you know disc golfing regular golfing reading comic book on the porch beer i love it yeah uh resurgence put a beer out just like that black tea and lemonade uh sour and it was i was blown away i think i did yeah, have um, that show here. i remember hearing about it thinking like oh that sounds good and then like three four weeks later was the first time i had this because they had it at one of like the local beer bars here um and then i was just happy enough to find it at the store this past week and i was like yep i'm gonna keep buying it as long as i can find it <laughs> yeah no those beers are delicious it just it nails it and like when i was drinking it i was like oh i get look 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 why people drink twisted mm. tea now look 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 like <laughs> it's like oh yeah this is the same this is literally the same thing just tartar uh, yeah, this has, it's, it's not like a fake candy, like syrupy lemon. This actually, it's like a country time lemonade mix, like thrown in with a beer. Like it's, it's really well done. Uh, we like buying beer guys. You know what else we like buying? Yeah. Comic it books. Is. Uh, it's going to head us into the list. Uh, these are the books coming out beginning of September, September 1st, 2021. Paul. What's got you champing at the bit? Ooh, much like the video game, uh, Dark Ages, or um, Midnight Suns, Marvel Comics is coming out with a book called Dark Ages, which is about uh, a wild group of heroes coming together to fight off a doom that they cannot uh, overcome. This is written by Tom Taylor, who wrote uh, DC Comics Deceased, uh, and all the subsequent spinoffs. So if you want to take a post-apocalyptic uh, world and have them with surviving heroes, 
Tom Taylor's your guy. So I'm just looking forward to that just on that basis alone. Okay. So this isn't any kind of big crossover event. This is like a standalone series kind of yeah, thing. So almost like, I, I don't want to say so. like DC's, but this is him kind of getting to like create a sandbox and play in it. I believe so. I don't know how many issues it's going to be because it doesn't say that yet. Well, I can. I guess I can keep on hitting next to see. But it did. But the first issue doesn't start with the crossover. Or the summer starts here. You know, it's just this is what the watcher has been waiting for. So, so yeah, I'm guessing it's a standalone okay. Worlds kind of story. Fun. Uh, will this be something to be bringing to? Look back for September. Ooh, perhaps. Only if it's good. Mm. Mm, interesting. Or if it's like just over the top and ridiculous and I think it makes so, me laugh. Much I... like the X Men much like X Men Legends did. Yeah, sometimes that stuff's fun to talk about, you know? It's not necessarily if we enjoyed the book, it's do we have something to talk about from it? John. Is there something you're going to be bringing yeah. to uh, the September look back? Uh, no, because this book came out in June. Uh, this was in my wish list because I didn't really see anything going on. But this kind of ties into one of the books that we read for uh, look back. And this is uh, Imogen of the Wearding, Wearding Way one shot. And this is coming from Christopher Golden and Mike Manola. Um, art by Peter Birding, And this is in the same line as the Gollum book that we read. It's kind of uh, Nazi Europe. They have working with different evil spirits or different evil is in Europe. And there are these certain people that stand up against it. And Imogen is one of... Uh, is one of these people who on the cover looks like they're fighting a giant um, horned beast uh, with some magic about her and uh, yeah I I've been enjoying these I picked up a couple of the other books that are kind of in this same world um, one of the characters is referenced in um, the Gollum book that we're gonna talk about shortly and um, yeah, they've been pretty good I I enjoy for something something about Nazis and monsters, I, I don't mind them dying and getting killed in supernatural ways. It works for me. Uh, speaking of supernatural character that's had some crossover, some swords and sorcery type stuff over the years, has been Aquaman. And a lot of the DC superheroes are going to be celebrating their 80th anniversary this year. We've already talked about multiple special anniversary issues. Uh most recently, we did the Green Arrow one. Uh, but coming up next week, we do have the Aquaman 80th Anniversary 100-page Super Spectacular, uh, showcasing some of Aquaman's like cra uh, crazy creative teams from the past, present, and future, they say. Uh, this is actually going to be leading into two new miniseries that are going to be coming out as well. Uh, one of them is actually a Aquaman Green Arrow miniseries which is kind of weird i don't think i'm going to be grabbing it but who knows maybe i'll like this story enough to kind of go into that um this i'm enjoying reading these 80th page anniversary specials or sorry 80th anniversary specials because it's given me kind of those quick bits i like about a lot of these characters 
I might not have the reverence for everything from their history, but I think the uh, Green Arrow one's been like my favorite so far because like, there's so many different touchstones for that character. It just it just hit right, and that actually got me excited for this Aquaman one. Yeah, a good anthology book. It can be good. At least you'll get one or two good stories out of it. I think if you get half the book with good stories and the other half you're not, you know, just meh about, that's a great anthology book because there's guaranteed to be a guaranteed to be a couple clunkers in there as well. I mean, hundred pages. It's ten dollars, but I get that. Like they're putting together some big creative teams on this, so I'm I'm okay with it. A dramatic reading. From Angel, number one, page 13, panel one. Me? Why? I dig that A-B-E vibe. What? All, black, everything. That was a dramatic reading from Angel, number one, page 13, panel one. Guys, uh, fun fact, you'll be able to see that panel over on our Instagram page if you follow us over at uh, Bagging Board. And also, a second fun fact. Two fun facts for one dramatic reading. Uh, that dramatic reading was actually picked for uh, by a fan. So if you want to submit your dramatic reading panel, uh, send us a screenshot of it and let us know who you want to read it. Because that one was picked specifically for... <laughs> Did a bang-up job, buddy. Paul, the, the ladies were requesting it. They wanted, uh, All right. they wanted to see that. Much like I want to see what you're drinking next... Well, well, what I'm drinking next is a uh, it's another non-alcoholic <laughs> beer. This is from Partake. I think I've had this I don't on the show before. You have, I think I reviewed it. He has because I remember like you enjoyed them enough that I was like, "Oh, let me see if I can get them here." And I can get them at my beer store, but they only come in the actual mm-hmm. packs. Like I can't get them in the individual like singles area. Girl. And I was like, "Ooh, it's it's a big investment to buy multiple six packs of like." I don't want to say cases because they're not yeah. cases, but you know the sealed, like cardboard six packs. I don't want to be the guy that opens those up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I I can I can understand. Like the reason I went with, uh, I was able to pick up all three of these in the uh, craft your own. I did want to pick up three. This was the last, the only other non-alcoholic beer in the craft your own uh, at the store I was at today. So, you know, oh, they didn't I have any Bud Light in there. Huh? Huh? Got him! <laughs> uh, got him! Got him! Uh, Ugh! No, Light, you should see your face right now. You totally got gotted. Ooh, that was straight fire. <laughs> uh, no, so I wanted to try out these two uh, Brooklyns, and I almost picked up six packs of them. And then I was just going to have the two on the show, but I'm no longer on call starting tomorrow. So I'm like, ooh, that's a lot of money to invest in non-alcoholic beer when I can actually start drinking again tomorrow. So I decided to just do a split three, <laughs> split six pack, three non-alcoholics, three. Uh, I picked up the the kind of like a small variety pack of the Voodoo Ranger because those were in there. The what uh, like Y2K, the Ranger, the and two others. I'm forgetting what they probably are. John could tell me, I'm sure, but Chris could tell you because uh, he had those on the show recently. Uh, I had them he as well. And fun fact, three fun facts. Um, 
after talking about them on the show, like for the next week, I had nothing but advertisements for uh, New Belgium on like every website uh-huh. that I went to. So they're getting their uh, AdSense dollars in there. Mm-hmm. But this Partake IPA, it is good. It gives you that I, that hoppy bite. It's a very fresh hop flavor. Um, it's not juicy, but it's more the West Coast, just straight piney, uh, resiny uh, hop flavor. It's it's better than the two other Brooklyn, the two other ones that I had today. Uh, so if you are in the market for an IPA that you can get here in Buffalo, just easy peasy, uh, I. I strongly suggest the Partake IPA. I think I like it more than the ones from, uh, what is it, Nanny State, uh, Brewdog. Um, the only other IPA, non-alcoholic beer that comes close is the Barrel Brothers, but you have to be careful with those because if you let them sit in your fridge too long, they will explode. And you also have to get the free, I, the free shipping. Yeah, and they are, they are expensive for what they are. I just had that... Uh, Last week's episode, I had that $12 sour, not an alcoholic beer, just one can, 12 bucks. And that wasn't that great, but their uh, non-alcoholic IPA is good. But it'll explode you gotta, on you. They, they will explode on you. So Did you contact them? Out. It's been in my fridge for quite a while. Yeah, but it shouldn't have, like, re-fermented. Mm. So. Uh, I still got the can, so I can contact them maybe i will um how does it hold up to athletic athletics ipa i I like this one more it's a Mm -hmm. little bit it's got more of that bitter pop to it so i i've actually recommended that beer a couple times to you to partake oh good so yeah i don't think i think that's how we had the discussion about partake Mm -hmm. was i think we you had athletic on there and i said have you had partake yeah and then i think the next time i picked up our take like because i know i've had more than just this uh just like two runs of uh non-alcoholic beers on the show so yeah um now that partakes in the area guys we're really good recommendation john thank you you're welcome they have a pale ale and a blonde as well Mm. Mm. though with athletic the uh the brown ale Non-alcoholic brown ale out of the woods or something like that. Yeah, that's a seasonal one. That's really good. Like for, you know, if you're looking for a more fall type fall. beer. Yeah, dark beer. Yep. Uh, I'm having from Other Half Brewery, because I get a lot mm. of Other Half Breweries, uh, uh, Other Half Beers, is their, oh, Double Dry Hops IPA coming in at 6%. This has got the right amount of sweetness. The right amount of bitterness. It's got a nice creamy body. It's got a really nice little oat backbone to it. Um, this is an excellent, excellent IPA from them. Um, really, really quite fantastic. I would put this towards the top of my other half beers that I've had, and I've had quite a few. Mm-mm. Uh, and what is the name of the spear again? O. O. O H dot dot dot. Mm. All right. I'll have to be on the lookout for that. 
And Chris, uh, is your beer good enough that you'd want to share it with your girlfriend? Uh, It is. Uh, My third beer today is also coming from Hint Springs Aleworks, and this is their Drone Thugs in Harmony. This is a sour ale with passion fruit and hibiscus. Um, I've actually had this before on the show. I think this is a better batch than I've had before. Uh, Much like I mentioned last week, I picked up a bunch of Florida beers to send to my mom for her birthday. And when I saw that they had stuff available from Hidden Springs at my beer store, yeah, obviously I'm going to grab it. So there's a tease in the trap for her in there as well. Uh, And then I'm sending her one of these. And it's the right amount of passion fruit and then hibiscus on that. Hibiscus is one of those things I don't normally like it when it's added to anything, whether it's like a beer or a cocktail. Because that floral flavoring just kind of overpowers stuff sometimes. But on this one, like, that passion fruit's like, the main attraction here. It's just, it's delightful. I mean, it's a beautiful, like, uh, it doesn't look that red on uh, camera, but it's, like, a beautiful kind of, like, reddish gold color. Um, I'm really enjoying this. I don't remember what I checked into it previously when I had it on untapped, but I think I need to bump that up a little bit because this one's just, it's hitting right tonight. They might have tweaked it, too, between recipes, heard people's yeah. complaints or what they liked or didn't like and worked it out. Or maybe it's just a all-around better batch. And so that might be a better batch uh, is the comic books that we picked up for this past month, August 2021. Because uh, that's going to head us into our main topic, which is going to be our monthly look back. Uh, we got a bunch of books to talk about. Uh from DC Comics, we have Batman 89, number one, Superman 78, number one, Batman Secret Files, Clown Hunter, number one. Uh, then from over at Marvel, we have King the Conqueror, number one, Defenders, number one, uh, Marvel's Voices Identity, number one, Darkhawk, number one. And then from Dark Horse Comics, we have The Gollum Walks Among Us, number one. Big, big reading mm-hmm. list this week. Uh, yeah. Paul. Why don't we start over on your end of things? So what books did you bring to the table this month? Uh, well, I brought Kang the Conqueror, number one, for Marvel Comics. And talking about big reading lists, this is a book that spans the ages. This starts off in the 31st century with a Nathaniel Richards, who possibly is related to the Fantastic Four's Reed Richards, and also possibly Dr. Doom. Uh, and he's just unhappy with the life in a plushy, easygoing uh, utopia that the future is. He, he wants to actually, you know, struggle and conquer and overcome things and, and feel, you know, uh, a handshake or the touch of another human. So he goes off and tries to learn from the past, from the forbidden knowledge of Latveria and Doom's inner castle himself. And there he meets an older version of himself who started off as uh, Nathaniel Richards and is now Kang. And, you know, he gets goes off on a training mission with, uh, with Kang one year till the end of the world. And uh, hilarity ensues. <laughs> uh, I think sure, sure. I thought this was a great kind of book. It's like the the closing of Kang has to become Kang, and it's Kang 
basically creating himself. What? And it's and when he when he creates himself, that is also when he dies. It's a great you know time. It's like Looper or other time story. Time. Uh, what's the one weird French time machine movie that we watched? Time Crimes. Was it Time Crimes where he? Paul, did you did you watch Endgame with French dialogue and English subtitles? Because maybe you're thinking about Avengers Endgame. Oh. No, the one where it's this guy and he thinks he sees somebody out out in the yeah. Woods. He just keeps seeing himself and, and he then, keeps running from but himself. It's himself. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. Time and, crimes. No, that's actually Harry Potter and uh, Order of the Phoenix. But yeah, no, I don't remember which one it was. No, that's uh, Prisoner, Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, right. And yes, yeah, that's also a closed loop time time travel story uh, where the, the traveling in time causes you to actually cause yourself to travel in time. You know. It started all again. And yeah, I like a good time loop story, and this is one of them. I I thought this was a lot of fun. Your description. Uh, This was written. Sorry, go ahead. Continue. Uh, Written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. Art by Carlos Magno. Uh, Your description of this book is very succinct for a book that I thought was actually pretty dense, just with narrative elements, whether it's like the kind of like narration or the actual dialogue between Kangs. Um, the whole time I was reading this, the only thing I was actually really flashing back to is like, well, where does this fall with future young Kang who's becoming Iron Lad? Because that's the majority of the Kang stuff that I've read was just <laughs> in the pages of like Alan Heinberg's Young Avengers like back in 2006. So he's a character I don't have a lot of knowledge about or a lot invested in. Um, clearly this is, you know, meant to be kind of a standalone story uh, just based off of like the fact that they knew people would want to pick up and read more about Kang with him being like such a big part of the Loki series on Disney plus. Um, I think it was an engaging read though. Like all that being said, um, will you be picking up number two? Yeah, I think so. I thought it was a lot of fun. I like to see a yeah, young <clears throat> Kang kind of battle against his own predetermined uh, destiny because you know Kang set him off on this on this road, and I could see very you know this young Kang, young Nathaniel Richards doesn't want to grow up to be Kang, this drunk, um, and I could see him like as soon as he figures out time travel becoming Iron Lad in, in, in the go-betweens, and then, you know... Finding his way to the end, become. where I need to be here to make myself this, and I'll do these things to get my... to teach myself so I don't have to live through these things again, but it's just an infinite loop that's going to mm-hmm. keep going. Um, when this... when the book started, I was kind of like, ugh, I kind of wish they wouldn't do this with Kang. Kang works better when he's just like, I appear, I'm a pharaoh. I appear, I'm Iron Lad. Like, I appear, Mm -hmm. I'm this. Like, do we need this story about him? And then, like, with it being Nathaniel Richards, it's like, oh, they have that connection to, and I know it happened before, not just in Mm -hmm. this book, but, ugh, does does he need to be tied into the Fantastic Four, quote-unquote? Um but once he got to Doom's library and Kang introduced himself to himself, mm-hmm. I was like, 
all right, I'm turning the corner on this book. And then as the rest of the book went through, I was like, I I like this. I like everything that's happening. I love the lessons that he's learning from himself where he's trying to teach him one thing, but he's really teaching him another. (laughs) I liked, I liked all of that. And the art in the book is really good. The way he draws the original Kang I like it. And, and even in that beginning part when he's wearing the purple and green, like that's just his outfit mm-hmm. that he has. I was like, again, it was that like, okay, he's Kang. I get it. He's purple and green. Um, but everything in this book just really, really works. And yeah, I'm glad you're going to be picking it up because I probably would continue picking it up. And I have to say that that cover on it is such a great <clears throat> picture of Kang holding up an hourglass and pouring the sand on himself. Like, mm-hmm. it's a great cover. Uh, John, so my question to you is going to be if you actually read the solicitation for issue number two. I did not. Um, <clears throat> might I read it to you right now? No. Okay. I, I kind of want to go into each issue, like, not knowing what to expect and just mm. kind of living through it. Because that's kind of what I did here. I knew it was going to be Kang's origin story, but if I had really realized it was Kang teaching Kang at Kang at the end of his life, teaching him at the beginning of his Kang the Conqueror, <laughs> I I think I would have had a different reaction. I would have been looking and waiting for all of that, so I liked being kind of surprised okay. by it. Um, I won't say anything. I'm tempted to just to kind of. <laughs> Kind of give it to you a little bit, but uh, I'm not gonna. Um, but thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, you're, you're welcome. Because you know we, we like to read comic books, we like to enjoy them. And as I was turning the corner on this book, and I came to the end, I was like, oh, okay, like you know, I ended liking this more than I thought I was going to when I started it. Uh, well, solicitation for issue number two made me just be like, oh yeah, I definitely want to read that book. Like that's you have my attention now. So yeah. <laughs> I would, this is probably up there is probably one of my, my number one or number two of the the month. Mm. Okay. So, John, <laughs> you brought books to the table. What book do you want to start with first? Hold on. I need to log out of your account and log into oh, my account. See to... if it would have been a smoother transition <laughs> if he didn't need to do that. I know, but you shouldn't have told me that I had to do it, because screw you, you're not the boss of me. I didn't tell you you had to. I was just making oh, no. it easier for you. You told me I had to. Alright. The joke is they both bought the same book. It's for those that, Paul, for those Paul bought it, and didn't put it up for us to read, and then I saw that it was coming out, and I said, oh, we should probably read that, because we're, we're reading Batman 89, and then Paul's like, you didn't buy it already, did you? Because I bought it. After I said I've added it to the list. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you added it to the list and also bought it at the same moment. I bought it before. Uh, 9.48 uh, a.m., John. I'm adding Superman 78 number one. Then I pitch in about my books. And then 10.30, Paul, John, is you already purchased Superman 78, Paul? <laughs> Grammar. Uh, and then John, said, then John said yes, and then Paul says, okay, I have it as well. Um, 
This book seemed like a no-brainer, and the book we're talking about is Superman 78, number number one, written by Robert Venditti, art by Wilfredo Torres. Um, And this is is a story that follows the Christopher Reeves Superman book, and this is an homage to Richard Donner, who had passed away, and this is taking up most likely, I would imagine, after Superman 2 um, with Zod. But it doesn't seem like Lois knows that Clark is uh, Superman. No. Mm. Um, so is this after but, the mind-erasing kiss, then, maybe? Oh, I forgot about the mind-erasing yeah, kiss. Yeah, Niagara Falls. Yeah, it's Niagara Falls. That's one of Superman's most well-done powers, I mean... Yeah. Faster than a locomotive, leap building, single bound, uh, roofies kiss, fly, like fly around the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but this is uh, a late seventies version of the Superman world. The art making the characters look like the movie representation. Christopher Reeve looks like Clark Kent. Even how they draw his shoulders and his stature. When he's Clark Kent is how Christopher Reeves held himself. Uh, Margot Kidder. Um, but this is what if they tried to do Brainiac in that kind of that world, that time frame, that 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 world. And how would it be? How would it how would that story unfold? Obviously, uh, all the all of the Brainiac stuff is going to look good than what they could do in 1978. Um, but I really i really enjoyed this book and i feel like they they did this book with love for those superman richard donner movies um and they got an artist who could draw the characters to look like the actors uh i can't say the same thing for the other batman 89 so i think that's it's worth mentioning that we'll be doing these two books back to back because they're both, you know, cut from the same cloth. It's like the pseudo sequel to one of those marquee movie events from their respective times. You know, the 1978 Richard, oh, 77 uh, Richard Downer Superman movie and then the 1989 <clears throat> uh, Tim Burton Batman movie, like both taking place kind of in that continuity. And. I've never been the biggest Superman movie fan. I've always liked the Batman ones more. <clears throat> Excuse me. A little congested after eating that burger on our break. Uh, but I really enjoyed the Superman one. And I was kind of surprised because coming out of this, I was like, oh, man, like, I'm really amped up for the Batman one now. And coming out of Batman, I was just like, oh, I like the Superman, Superman one more. And I think part of the thrill of it is seeing something that if they had tried to do a Brainiac story in 1978, it probably would have been really clunky, but having it done in comic book, it works. Like it makes sense. And also having, you know, Brainiac look like my old Brainiac action figure that I used to have, uh, as part of the superpowers collection. I was like, Oh, I've, I've seen this design of Brainiac before. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I would have to say this is a movie that would have never have gotten made back in 1978. 
just because of uh, what we've recently learned from what you, Chris, you brought it to the table. The whole thing with the producers asking about, well, if they destroy the sh- Superman ship, how is he going to get back home to Krypton? Mm. It's like they w- they wouldn't understand. Producers and the movie's execs wouldn't understand Brainiac yeah. and what he's doing and what the plan is and. Is he a robot? Is he not a robot? Like Dino De Laurentiis did not care. <laughs> but this was a lot of fun. This is this is like classic take on Superman that still works. Yeah, even today. Yeah, I think. Today. Uh, and, and this, sorry, it's thirteen. <clears throat> it's aged on the front of it. Thirteen plus. Is there anything? in this book that made you think uh, like oh yeah i this think is you have to be older book. than 13 to get the fact that it's referencing an old superman movie maybe <laughs> maybe it's not like content yeah, based it's just like a frame of reference you you need to know about old movies uh, because people don't know who alfred molina is from sure. doc that first doc Ock. they they didn't grow up watching that movie uh, my question for you guys now as well, and this is more of a discussion than like anything pointed. How pissed do you think Marlon Brando would be being uh, reproduced as Jor El in a comic book, knowing that he just took this job for the paycheck and like phoned in everything as he was on set? Um, for for uh, more context, would be, listen to any it, of the Mr. Think... Uh, Sunday movie stuff that actually talks about the like 1970s Superman stuff because Brando was just like a huge pain in the ass uh, to deal with on pretty much any movie he was part of. Oh yeah. Uh, listen to Ron Perlman tell the story of him being on the set of uh, um, Island of Dr. Moreau with him. Mm. Uh, what was your question again, Chris? Uh, how much do you think Brando would hate being in this comic book? Oh, Brando. <laughs> I don't think he'd even know. He didn't know what the hell was going on towards the end there. And if a kid... I can't do it, Brandon. Never mind. <laughs> I think I'm enough for your hand for shoes. Uh, no, that's Dom DeLuise doing it. <laughs> uh, uh, this book is my... This is competing with Kang for my number one and number two slot for um, this month. Like, I did not go in expecting to like that Superman book. I had already I had already read Batman 89 and I was like, ugh. I, not that 89 was bad, but it wasn't good. Yeah. And the like you're going to do that book, get an artist who can make the likenesses um, work. I or if they bought the likenesses rights. I I think that's the thing too. I think cuz cuz um Moving, I guess, the... move into Batman 89 now. Uh, the artist on that book, Joe Kionis, actually does fantastic, um, like, real-life character actor likenesses and stuff. He might just not have been able to for this one. Because, I mean, his... Uh, sorry, I have to click over to it. Um, sorry, it's going slow right now. Someone else take over. Uh, his I'm Instagram? Pleasing. Yeah. But uh, I, I have to say, uh, I didn't even realize he was the artist on this because I really enjoy his art. I have a print that I bought from him because I really enjoy his, his art. And then um, to know that he's the art on this, I was like, it, 
it doesn't feel gothic enough. It doesn't fit. He drew Bullock like from the animated series. But uh, that's one of those things like Bullock's not really in Batman 89. So he's drawing reference from Mm -hmm. what what he can do. I mean, he he worked with what he had. Yeah. Because everything else about it. It, it it's that aesthetic like the joker's like clown uh like cronies like that's straight out of batman 89 i was gonna say his um i'm blanking on billy d williams harvey dent harvey dent. as soon as you see him pop up you're like oh that's the 1980s harvey dent that you know billy d never came back to do more of there's enough there even the I'm forgetting the name of the actor that played the butler in like all the Batman movies. His likeness is there. It's just kind of off, I think, on the Michael Keaton Bruce Wayne. And then on like the Batman itself is kind of clunky, but I think it's meant to be like respective of that kind of like stiff costume at the time. And it, Yeah. I mean, they give Alfred a mustache. He didn't have a mustache in the in the movies. Um, this did he? I... Commissioner, he he doesn't. Okay. Alfred in animated series has a mustache. Um, and even like the the character that attacks Batman at the end is obviously um, Marlon Wayans, who was supposed to be. Robin in the Two-Face Batman movie that they were planning on. Like, I can see the homage they're making to those movies, but I didn't think this was as... It wasn't executed as well as it. I think it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of that is like the Billy D. Williams. They keep making you think that's when they're going to make you Two-Face. Like, the explosion. You think that's going to be the bomb that explodes and he becomes Two-Face. When he runs down the alley and they show the 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 flower on the lapel, like he's going to get squirt with acid. And they kept making you think that he was going to get Two-Faced during this. Um, I, didn't, I didn't feel that way at all. Uh, I mean, that's how I read it. Oh. Like I was just waiting for him to become Two-Face. They kept, they kept teasing it to me. Uh, what sorry? What flower are you talking about on the lapel? Because I don't, I don't see that. Well, while he's talking, yeah, I'm going to. While John's looking, I'm going to talk about it. I, I enjoyed it. It was fine. I get where you're saying the likenesses, uh, the weird eyebrows that he tried to give to uh, Bruce Wayne to try to make him like Michael Keaton, but not look too much like Michael Keaton. Like, like okay. It's it's passable. They're in Burnside constantly, which is kind of the slums of uh, Gotham. Um, so I didn't mind that there wasn't that kind of neo-Gothic architecture that we kind of come to expect from that, you know, Schumacher. Burton. Burton and Schumacher. Burton. Sh- Schumacher comes Schumacher later. did the... Th- the, the and what, there is and the Art Deco one? later. So... It was, it's, Again, yeah, but this is the world that's supposed to be set up by Tim Burton's Burton. Batman 1989. Okay. 
It's in the title. Right. right. That the aesthetic that was set by Burden and also Schumacher continues on through Schumacher. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't mind because they're in a different part of Gotham. Not in the like the main city. Uh, so, yeah, it's political intrigue and I'm liking that it's just moving the pieces together and it's gave me quite a bit in that first issue. So, didn't hate it. Uh, it, it it's a f- passable book. Like, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. Like, was it kind of fun getting to see Billy D finally get to be Harvey Dent? Yeah, he got paid for it, so cool. Um, but yeah, there wasn't much else in this book, especially having read it after Superman 89. Like, it just... Or not, sorry. Superman 78. Uh, there just wasn't enough here to make me be like, wow, you know what? Number two is something that I would want to check out. Like, it just... It didn't hit. No. I would read Superman 78 number two. Yeah. Like, I'm on bar- board for that series. This is the one I was looking forward to, and I hemmed and hawed about buying 78. Um, if somebody had said they bought it and put it on the list, I probably wouldn't have hemmed and hawed as much. But but I didn't buy it until that day, right a- before. After you... I said I bought it? No, before <laughs> you said you bought it. Before you put it on the list, like I bought it with my books that... I needed to put on the list for for the list, and I'm like, "Well, we already have a lot. I'm not going to add to the list." And then John jumps out and says, "Hey, I'm going to add one more to the list." I'm like, "Well, yeah, if you're adding it, it, I already own it." It made sense because we were doing Batman '89. Why wouldn't we do Superman '78? But the other book that I picked up came from Marvel Comics, and this was Defenders number one. Uh, written by Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez on art. And this is the Defenders coming together. Uh, Doctor Strange pulling tarot cards and the tarot cards telling him what superhero he needs to bring in. Uh, but not just telling is... him, it literally like teleports them in like yeah. right after that. Um, I didn't love the writing in this book the story itself but man the art is great in this i want to say javier rodriguez did some of the daredevil stuff like he was kind of maybe a fill-in artist when uh paulo rivera or um francisco francovillo couldn't be on it because it's very reminiscent of that kind of Art, and I might be misremembering it, so I could be wrong. Um, the artwork works... No, he was he worked on that Daredevil okay. series. The artwork, it looks great, because it's right in that kind of pulpy style. But I just have nothing like invested in any of these characters. And honestly, I forgot about the Masked Raider uh, after we read that Marvel Comics 1000 issue all those months ago. So seeing him come back... And then they have, like, an editor's note in there. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. We did read something about him popping up, and I didn't care then. Um, It's very much a getting the team together book, but there's no actually getting the team together. It's literally just people popping into frame and being like, what? 
why am I here? Um, there's no real flow to it at all. And the stakes that they're setting, I, I don't really care about it. You mean Galactus's mom? Yeah, no. But it, uh, but it looks yeah. good. I, I mean, plus <sighs> I've heard. I, the book is beautiful. Like, I love the art in this book. It's too bad that the story doesn't fit how good the art is. And again, like, I guess, I, I bet there's people out there that love that these characters are being brought together. Like, Betty, Betty Banner is the Harpy. Like, I, I'm okay. Like, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I didn't know. The other, the, the two characters that are conjoined that get pulled at the end. Uh, I don't know who those people are. The cloud. Yeah. Um, Even after like they explain them, I'm like, I, I just don't know who this is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for, I mean, great looking book, but it it's really just falls super short. See, I enjoyed it because, probably because I read Batman, I read Batman 89, then Superman 78. And then I read Defenders. And I'm like, you know what? This this kind of feels so throwbacky. It feels like a 1970s, just like, hey kids, I'm introducing you to all these characters. Don't worry about it. And we're going to go on a wacky adventure. And I'm like, all right, cool. I liked Stephen Strange over the top dialogue because I thought it was throw, because I was in that throwbacky mindset. Like, And also I really enjoyed all the Kang internal dialogue that was happening so like i think i was just in it at that point so i enjoyed it i like because i'm like i don't know who these characters are but they're telling me and i'm in uh probably because i didn't pay 4.99 for it so it was a little easier to swallow like if i paid 4.99 i would be like ooh, for a who's who book it's kind of kind of rough yeah, I, I don't care about spending the money. I'm, I'm Mr. Moneybags over here, I guess. Uh, I just... Yeah, it's a bringing the team together book that just has no stakes for me. Even the character that brings the mask, the mask rider to Stephen Strange, who's... We don't really know who he is. He's some genetically altered guy. I blew up the time book. Now things are bad. <laughs> That's not that's you, your your summation of it is rival to Paul's summation of Kang. Um, yeah, and then you, you nailed it. And but you nailed it. Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. What, what uh, blew up the time about, book. Now things are bad. Blew up the time book. Nothing's bad. Uh, now things are bad. It was it. It wasn't until he was like, oh, the tarot cards will tell me, ah, Harpy, uh, put me back. You know, like, the Silver Surfer is a friend of mine, and he's this judgment in reverse. I, it, it was when that stuff started happening that really, really just is when the book super turned for me. And then I just kept going, man, this is such a good looking book. The colors, everything. And, um, I don't know, I just... 
just didn't do it for me. Oh, so are we going to get to? Uh, yeah, we books? can head into mine, and I know something that you guys weren't super keen on jumping into, but having read it, uh, I was like, no, like I think this is something that could be worth talking about. Was coming from DC Comics, and this is the next part of their Batman Secret Files, and this was Clown Hunter <clears throat> uh, number one. I'm trying to open up the info. Comicsology is being very difficult for me today. Um, <clears throat> written by Ed Brisson, art by uh, Rosie Camp. Uh, this is a story about Clown Hunter, who we met during Joker War. Uh, he's a teenage vigilante who's out there just hunting down clowns after his parents were killed at the hands of Joker Scoons. We kind of jump into his action during Joker War, but here we actually get to know a little bit more about him and his history and kind of what led him down this path. And I think that this is a good kind of jumping on point for a character that's been around in the Bat books for about a year now. Uh, and I think it's one of the better of the three uh, secret files that we've read. This is what the secret files kind of should be. Yes. It should be how you know the character, <clears throat> a story of how they became that character, and where this character is going to be going in the next year, two years of his storyline. Not, this happened in a previous Batman <clears throat> book, here's this side of the story. I guess in a way that's what the Bat, the Signal book was, mm -hmm. but I just have no affiliation for that character or that world that he is part of in that. This book, who, Chris, I gave you... Uh, no, right, rightfully so, because, I mean, I like The Signal just because it was a book with a signal in it. I wanted to read Huntress because it was a book with Huntress in it, but it was not good. Um, I made the commitment to this one, too, just because I kind of like that Bat Family lieutenant that doesn't play by the rules. And I think that plays in perfectly with where this book goes, where you get him kind of being not recruited by Jason Todd, uh, the Red Hood, but Jason kind of stepping into that role, like, no, you need to be polished. Like, you almost got yourself killed here. Uh, let's get those skills honed more because then we can do some damage and I'm going to help you get to that point because I want to take Joker out too. I think that kind of build and then just those flashbacks to his time at the Gotham Academy, which... You know, when we read that Gotham Academy book when it came out, like, what, four or five years ago now? I think we all kind of enjoyed that look at a different side of Gotham, but nobody really cared enough to keep up on it. But I think tying uh, Bo, uh, his name's Bo Fan, IRL, uh, tying him into that kind of greater continuity strengthens his ties into that, that universe. It's not just like, oh, my parents were killed by the Joker how many people could make that claim? Like having him be someone alongside other characters that we've seen in other books, uh, like we are Robin and uh, Gotham Getty. It, it adds more depth than we had in either one of the previous Batman secret files. I, I, I came out of this, like I actually really dug it and it made me be like, Oh, there's more of these secret files coming out still. 
maybe I should check those ones out, even though they're characters that I don't know because I, I've been a bad Batman fan recently. Uh, no, I agree. I really like this. The one thing, and I know we saw this cost, version of this costume before, but it is Red Hood's costume is so Mortal Kombat versus DC <laughs> costume. It just looks kind of, it just looks stupid. I will say, I do like the actual, like, helmet Red Hood better than, like, the like the ski mask, like, ventilator uh Yeah, hoodie. with the goggles. Yeah. Paul? Yeah, I don't like the, I don't like the look of the Red Hood in this. Paul, I know this isn't yeah, your yeah, kind of this... book, so... No, but yeah. I like this book, and I like, I like Jason Todd... <clears throat> taking this character under his wing to become his quote-unquote Robin. Like, I, I, I like that. I like where this book could go. And I would continue reading this series if it's these two characters, the you know, Red Hood trying to mentor this character and where it could go. I like the thought of that. I like the book, and then we got to that point, and I like the book even more after that um but it was like the red hood <clears throat> taking out those guys and he's holding a crowbar yeah you know it's just like uh, i i really started liking and respecting red hood i think in, in countdown when he showed up in countdown and then the different things that he's had even red hood and the outlaws i really like that series and that version of of um can't think of his real name uh jason todd like i really liked what they went with that and i still like this character i like the character that showed up in um the um checkmate or not checkmate leviathan leviathan like i liked that version but i just don't like the look of this character like it's just a really hey this is red hood extreme he's got a cut off hoodie I just don't like the character design of him. I, I can see that, but uh, my thoughts on the book was, yeah, this is a character that I'm really not interested in. And then uh, near the middle, where when Alexis, you know, punchline is there talking to talking to him, be like, "You're the one that goes farther than the bat will," and I'm like, "Oh, I see what they're doing now. Clown Hunter's the reset of Jason Todd. He's the he's the new Red Hood. He's the Part, he's not really part of the Bat family anymore. He's off on his own, and he's willing to kill. He's the he's what Red Hood used to be. And then the end of the book, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It's Red Hood that shows up. I'm like, hey, this is that character. That's his. You can't. They can't re bring Jason Todd back to be that like killer on the street anymore for whatever reason. So now. They're bringing in Clown Hunter instead to do that. It's the same thing, which is fine. You know, this DC is all about legacy. So you move the characters up, you know, Robin becomes Nightwing. Jason Todd becomes Red Hood. You, need, you, you still need a new Robin. And now you need, so you're getting a new Red Hood, basically. Um, and Paul, I think you talking about legacy is actually going to head us over to my next book, and this one's going to be coming out from Marvel Comics, and this is actually Darkhawk, number one. Guys, we made it. 
Darkhawk is celebrating his 30th anniversary this year. Uh, the comeback that nobody asked for or wanted or expected. Uh, written by Kyle Higgins. Uh, art by Juan and Ramirez. And this is telling the story of a young high school basketball star, uh, Connor Young, who things get real bad for him real quick. As it turns out, his, you know, blossoming basketball career is going to be cut short with the diagnosis of having MS. And he happens to fall upon the Darkhawk amulet that's giving him superpowers. And John, you said something in our group text message thread that really nailed this book for me. And I want you to repeat that for everyone else to hear, because as soon as you said that, I was like, okay, like, yeah. Um, Radiant Black did this book better? At which point I point out that Radiant Black is also written by Kyle Higgins. <laughs> and after reading this book, I went back and continued to read through the rest of the Radiant Black issues that I had purchased. And we're just kind of sitting there waiting for me to have a day off. And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm really digging this series. And everything I like about Radiant Black is missing from this book. And I don't want to say beat for beat, but their stories are so similar with someone just being all of a sudden down on their luck. Something happens, gives them incredible powers, and now they have to deal with like their terrible home or personal life on top of this thing that you know lets them be free. It gives them a power that they didn't have. Um, it looks good. I think the book looks fantastic, but I what... think the character design is great yeah. for Dark, uh, Blackhawk, Darkhawk. I, I think. Cool War Machine. Cooler War Machine. I think there's enough cool stuff in this book, but why would I read this when I can get something that's brand new, kind of fresh and inventive with Radiant Black that is just being done better? I, I would rather take my monthly comic book money and put it towards Radiant Black, which is really ramped up within like the last like three issues, um, than put it towards something like this where I have nothing for this character and that's kind of the theme of this month's books it seems it's like it's all characters that are like oh i'm interested oh this could be cool but there's nothing really drawing me into any of them but if you're able to sell it in a new or different way yeah like you're going to get my money Darkhawk doesn't have that especially when everything i know about this character was based off of one of the trading cards I pulled out of like a Marvel like trading card pack back in the nineties. And then him appearing in a runaways spin-off book called The Loners, like twenty years after that. Do you think Kyle Higgins pitched like a story to Marvel to bring this character back and then they're like No, I think we're gonna pass on it. And they went, Well, I have this good idea. Hey image uh blah 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 yeah sure let's go for it starts writing that and then marvel comes around and it's like hey we'll take that story from you because it uh somebody told us it's the 30th anniversary <laughs> uh yeah we'll do that and then he's uh, like that someone uh, has a name I'm it's doing tom Bra this book already that someone has a name his name's tom brevort and he knows everything about marvel um i i don't know because 
Radiant Black has that kind of dark hawkness to it now that I've read this, but it also seems to be steeped more in his Power Rangers writing, but now he can also do whatever he wants with those characters because he, you know, created it. Um, Because spoilers for Radiant Black number four, he kills off the main character in it, and then the dude's best friend that he was going to the movies with in issue number one gets the black hole and then swears revenge on, like, Radiant Red, who's responsible for his death, uh, which opens it up to where the book's going to be going from here forward. Uh, I, I'm hooked on What a twist! Yeah, I'm hooked on it, though. Like, reading those issues, I was like, oh man, like, I have to wait, like, two more weeks for number seven to come out? Like, this is bullshit. Um, I don't have that feeling from Darkhawk, even though, like Defenders, this book looks fantastic. And I like the updated take on the character that I don't care about but there's just not enough to keep me invested in it. Yeah, I I always liked the character. Didn't know anything about the character. I thought he was more of like a Batman character because uh, I remember he used to have... You didn't get the training card? I got the training okay. card, but I remember him having like a grappling hook and he glided. He didn't really fly where this guy's got like the construct. He can build the wings. He can deflect. It might be a different crystal, that's why, I don't know, but there was, I was nine years old when this character came out, like nine-year-old me would have really liked Darkhawk, 39-year-old me is like, I've seen this before and it's been done better, Uh, and it's really interesting, when you said it was the same writer... I was just like, well, that's that's weird, and that's probably why this reminds me so much of Radiant Black. Well, yeah, I, I really got nothing, because this character means absolutely nothing to me. I did think it was the one good thing, the one twist here that I thought in the book, not the one at the very end, but like, oh, you see him like have these, like, he explains, oh, weird I, I just feel warm, like I got a t- weird temperature thing. It happens; it's no big deal. I'm like, "Ooh, is that is that his powers manifesting?" And then it turns out, nope, it's MS. And it's like, "Whoa, uh, this took a turn." And I'm like, for the family drama of it all, I was like, "Okay, I'm kind of in on this." And then the crystal shows up, and he becomes Dark Hawk, and I'm like, "You know what? I liked him like struggling about losing his scholarship a little bit more." Like, I like the home struggle a little bit better than him becoming a superhero right this second. I'm like, but okay. Like, and you met the kid in the alley and you're like, oh, this isn't going to end well. I'm like, oh no, is he going to like break his leg? Be like, I was a big shot, I, you know, in this town. I, I thought I'm going to go that way too, you now. And I'm like, and it didn't. And I'm like, all right, he's just going to be the big bad later on. Sure enough, at the end of the book, he is. That the big twist is his best friend, who was also on the team, is part of his gang. That's why he didn't mind paying for the pizza, guys. <laughs> I didn't put that together, but <laughs> well, maybe that changed my thoughts on. No, it didn't. Um, yeah, now it changes my thoughts on the whole home story because I'm like, yeah, no, I totally understand. Like when things are going wrong and there's nothing you can do, like at least let me buy the damn pizza. You know, like. I got nothing else. I can do nothing else. No. Let's let me buy uh, it. And that's okay. 
I do have one more Marvel book, but I kind of want to circle to something that we almost talked a little bit about with John, your pick for the list. Because uh, this is another Tales from the Outerverse. And this is by Mike Mignola with art by uh, Peter Berting. And this is The Gollum Walks Among Us. This was my pick for the list a couple weeks ago because it sounds like a Roger the Homunculus book, uh, you know, Hellboy spinoff BPRD, without Roger. So I'm like, why wouldn't this just be a Roger book? Because this could very well kind of fit in that corner of Dark Horse Comics. And on my initial readings, like, there's a little bit different characterization between uh, Roger from Hellboy or BPRD and Joseph the Gollum here. But ultimately, like, I think just like a quick reskinning would put this over in the Hellboy universe. And I think that might have impacted my reading of it a little bit more. Um, Joseph's definitely a little bit more violent than Roger is. But I liked almost everything in this book. Uh, the artwork's fantastic. It definitely fits into that Mignola kind of style. I really dug it. Um, John, if you do pick up that Imogen, the, uh, what was it, Weirding Way? I'm yeah. I have it written down here. Oh, yeah. Imogen of the Weirding Way. I would read that because I like this universe. It made me want more BPRD because I haven't been paying attention to any Hellboy stuff recently. But my biggest complaint about this book, and I thought maybe something happened when I was downloading it, or maybe there was like a glitch. It just ends. There's no kind of wrap-up. It's literally just Joseph being punched and then end. And then underneath it in the panel, it says to be continued. Like, there's no real hook to it. On my first Well, this is... This is book one of two. It's book one of two, but it, number two is going to pick up with him getting punched. Yeah. But what makes me want to pick up number two because it literally just stops. Like I see this dude get punched, and then I go to like flip to the next page, and I'm like, oh, is, did it not download? Oh, let me check it on my computer. Let me see if maybe it's just a glitch with the app. And then I'm like, oh no, it just says in the bottom corner to be continued. There's Nothing that really hooked me in to be like, wow, let me get number two. Even though I en- I enjoyed what was here, I like this world, this character, even though he's just kind of more violent. Uh, Roger. I'm just kind of like, oh, I-, I guess it just ends abruptly. And that kind of just spoiled it for me. So you don't like cliffhangers? There's no cliffhanger. No, I, Chris, Chris, John, I know. John, I'm looking I know. at the page right now. Chris, he's getting punched, and that's it. Like, there's no like no, I, monologue. I there's just, no narrative. Like being like, and that's when things got worse. Like, it, sound effect crunch bookends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't take this. I understand where you're coming from with that, and I was making a joke. It didn't take me out of the book. I did the same thing. I turned the thing and I went, oh, okay. It'll be in the next issue. Like it didn't, it didn't ruin the book for me, but I'm definitely, um, I definitely enjoyed it. I enjoy this world. I think Mignola is trying to do 
these kind of horror book stories that aren't attached to BPRD and Hellboy because he's maybe at some point he might mix the two together because he's still doing BPRD Hellboy stuff. But I think he just kind of wants another world to play in, which I'm I'm fine with. I like him doing these kind of books. I'm, I'm fine with it, too. And even when I picked this for the list, the whole reason I grabbed it is because when I saw the cover, I was like, oh, it's a Roger book. And then I was like, oh, it's not, but it's it sounds like it could be, so cool. And that's really what sold me on it. It just, if his main goal is to maybe cross these over at some point, or maybe it's a way for him to tell, I don't want to say edgier, but, you know, a little bit darker, more violent less stakes because people don't have 20 30 years invested in these characters where he can just do whatever he wants with it that makes sense but it's so bprd adjacent that's just like you could just tell the story there and maybe i'm just not a writer and i don't understand like the need to have, kind of have that difference between stuff i, I don't have anything to follow that up I, i'm just ending it like a punch to the face yeah. I think it's it's that uh, you had Roger show up in this uh, sea town in Italy in World War II, but we know that he wasn't working at this time frame because Hellboy hadn't found him and he said he was frozen in time from this time. You know, awesome. nerds. nerds. Nerds who. Oh, yeah, I got a nerd question. The lady had nine months to get out of that town. I don't think I think she was being held there against her will because they wanted her baby. But there's so there's people Paul, that's able who to in, smuggle who a in, baby out. Who impregnated her? Oh no. Mm, maybe it was one of those guys, mm. so they could have a baby to sacrifice. Yeah, but there's people willing to smuggle out a baby, but can't smuggle out a woman. Yeah, babies are smaller. Smaller. Oh, okay. Maybe it's something that they decided to do at last minute. Maybe they came there to get her out because they got all the contacts needed, and then, oops, baby. Okay. Huh? I don't know. Just, I just thought it was weird. I'm like, lady, you know they're going to sacrifice your child. Move out of town. Hey, lady, don't have a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, and I'm not having speaking no about babies, uh, anthology. Don't even live in a town with Demotic people and no babies. Anthology books are something of a baby of ours because we just love picking them up. No, no? okay, okay. Um, Heading into my last book for the month, this is part of the Marvel Voices anthology series, and this is Identity Number One. Uh, This one's focusing on Asian and Pacific uh, peoples with stories of uh, characters and by creators of you know. Asian descent. So there's eight stories in this. Some of them are pretty quick to get through. Uh, I don't have anything that I really feel the need to like delve too deep into. So this could be just kind of like a quick run through. And if there's something you guys feel deserves a little bit more speak, uh, we can dwell on it. Mm-hmm. But I think the one thing I would want to say about this is, yeah, like you said, a lot of them feel really short. I would have liked maybe three characters in this book and spend a little more time with those characters versus these really quick 
kind of just flash in the pan kind of stories. Spend a little more time with these characters. If you want to showcase these characters and these writers, give me some, give me something more out of it than this really quick. What if battle with Shang-Chi? I think personally, the character in this book that I like the most is the, the shield agent, um, Jimmy Woo. Jimmy Woo. Thank you. He's the character I like the most out of these out of these characters because I enjoy him popping up in the different Winter Soldier books and different things that I've I've been reading over the years. But the story I liked the most was probably the Jubilee book. But if Jimmy Woo had more time to be a spy in that book, I think it would have been maybe a little bit better. Uh, and this thing because. Again, don't judge a book by its cover, but the cover for this has uh, Shang-Chi, Agent Jimmy Woo, Silk, uh, Jubilee, and Kamala Khan on it. So that's why I was assuming, okay, like, it's, I, I think this book was like $10. I might be misremembering. It might have been a little bit less. Uh, but I was figuring, like, okay, you know, I'm getting five stories in this book. Cool. And then when I started going through it and I was like, oh, there's actually more kind of like quick hits in here. And some of them I actually really enjoy, so we'll get into those. Um, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head where, like, some of these just didn't have time to breathe. Because even, like, the Shang-Chi um, by Gene uh, Lun Yang and art by Marcus To, one of my favorite artists, <laughs> is a real quick story about who Shang-Chi is versus who he could have been if things had changed a little bit in his decision-making. And I like what this book kind of proposes, and I would have liked a little bit more instead of just like, hey, quick couple page fight, because again, I like Marcus Stowe artwork. I always would like more of it, um, especially once you see him kind of start channeling, you know, who he knows, who his friends are, who his allies are, and using that to his benefit. Um, there's a little bit of a heart to that story, and the order of the watchers is a thing I didn't know about. So maybe <laughs> spend some time on that since maybe that's a cool idea. I don't know. I think that's a super cool idea. That's kind of order. I would want to belong to, um, but I, I yeah. did enjoy this order. The Uatu. And I think that just yes, order of Uatu. I think that was a cool way to start this book out. And then we do go into the Jubilee story, which is her sitting at the greatest of her parents, just kind of talking about what it's, like to be a kid and then grow up and have lost a parent. Um, not, I, I don't want to bring anything down. Uh, I grew up without a dad. I never knew him. Uh, just child of divorce. Like my parents separated at a young age. And then when he died, I was my sophomore year of high school. I never knew him. So I knew I should be sad because it was my dad, but I didn't feel that loss, but then there's those moments where it's like, well, maybe if I hadn't been, like, a shitty teenager and, like, reached out at some point, like, things could have been different. I had the ability to, and I just didn't. Um, this one had kind of, like, a little bit more uh, reverence for me. Um, and then I like it coming around at the end with Jubilee now, like, you know, stepping up. She's not just that teenage x-man in the mall like she is taking steps forward to be a member of a family uh 
it was just ultimately sweet. I thought it was good because it's the thing that you never think about with Jubilee that, oh, she had step parents, she was adopted, and then she leaves. You know, I, again, most of my stuff is from X Men cartoon, and then, you know, and not where she appears in, in Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, well, I never even thought about her parents. Like, yeah. I never thought even that they were dead. I thought she was just a, a runaway, a, a runaway, or she was just in the adoptions agency, and this family picked her up, or whatever. Like, I didn't think about that. I liked that this book made me think about mm-hmm. that. I liked what the story was, and and like she she had some of those guilt feelings, like like you do, Chris. Um. But again, like you can't blame yourself. Like ah, I was a kid. Yeah. Like you never you know, know like, how life's gonna be. And uh, bad job for me for being shitty and self-absorbed as a, a teenager. Uh, also, bad job on me as a podcaster because I did not say at the beginning uh, this story written by Christina Strain, who's also known for her com- coloring artwork. She did a lot of the original Runaways uh, colors with mm. Adrian Alfona, uh, and then art by Jason Liu. So yeah. That's I, that's all I got to say. Uh, but on John, you're, uh, next up we have Jimmy Woo, nineteen fifty nine, written by Greg Pack, art by Chris Lee. Um, I was kind of excited for this one because I don't have a wide knowledge of Jimmy Woo outside the MCU, and I think Randall Park does such a great job with that character. He's just instantly likable, and I think this story does a good amount of bringing that likability to the page. Um. I just didn't have enough knowledge about who he is in the comics to have it really hit because I don't read those books that you've been picking up. Yeah, he's more of like where in the books that I've read, like where an Agent of Shield, like Nick Fury, is very stone faced, very mm, I'm you know I'm a secret agent, whatever you know I have all the secrets. He's more of like. He's Roger Moore, James Bond. Like, he's just having fun with um, it. Like, oh, hey, yes. I, I did notice in every single page and every single panel of this story, he does have a smile on his face. Like, he's got a smile on his face. He loves uh, He loves what he's do doing. Wanna, do you want to run this story down since you dug this one? Uh, yeah. So he's, um, he's with a reporter friend of his. She's in the middle of something. There's a monster loose. Uh <laughs> He figures out what the monster needs, even though you don't really know that he knows what it needs. Gives a power core reactor to the alien creature. They fly off together, and he's like, hey, if I'm ever stuck on your planet where there's an invasion, remember who saved you. Snap, double guns. (laughs) Credits. This issue, or this story was just a setup and a payoff of a O. Henry moment. It's just like, Oh, he's not attacking. He just wants his battery back. Here you go. All right. That was fun, though. I wish he did the card trick, you know, the... You know, wow, Paul just did it. Card trick. Uh, but, you know... But that's just because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. It's, it's the only real place I know him from. And he's great in that, because it's uh, Andy Park. Randall right? Park. Randall Park. Yeah. Uh, A.K.A. Jim from The Office. 
next up, we have another yes. uh, short story. This one starring Kamala Khan, uh, written by Sabir Pirzada and art by Masala Ahmed. Um, this is actually Kamala Khan in Pakistan, kind of going back to her roots, even though she was born and lives in New Jersey. It's kind of more that heritage versus upbringing story. Um, just that she's so disconnected from that, but she still feels like she's a part of it. Um, short story, I I liked it. I don't have a lot to mm-hmm. say about it because I think it's just a it's more character driven than plot like. I'm not sure who her uh, friend is. I don't know if this is another superhero or someone that's been appearing in uh, Miss Marvel or maybe Champions or something else. Um, but I think the meat of the story is just trying to feel like you belong somewhere because you know it's where you're from than actually feeling like you know it. And that you're recognized as being part of it because she's there and she's seen as being an American. And then in America, of course, she's seen as being Pakistani or let's face it, just brown, you know, doesn't really matter. You know, nobody's taking the time. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I like that to be reminded of that kind of fact, like it's easy to, especially at that age to feel disconnected from everybody and everyone, you know, everything you you don't, Jubilee was pushing against her, her heritage. She feels like she can't connect with her heritage. So I don't know. It's it's a struggle. Uh, John thoughts seeing red. Yeah, it was it it was interesting to see this. It it's definitely like Paul said, like one 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 race user is American, one user is Pakistani, like she has no no middle ground with either of these kind of uh cultures or I thought it was good. I thought it was interesting. Um it's something that definitely people have to deal with in life and i i am a white guy Mm -hmm. you know like i can understand exactly where she's coming from because i've seen stories like it before and i'm empathetic and say yes i can understand that uh but i don't have any connection to that other than just what i've seen or read in previous things to say yes Uh, speaking about things and people and characters that we've read previously, uh, the next one, Personal Heroes by Alyssa Wong, art by Wells Petracio. Uh, I have no idea who Way from Agents of Atlantis is. Uh, I'm glad they threw Bishop in this story because <laughs> I was like, okay, Bishop, I know, um, I don't want to sound reductive, but Wave basically just seems kind of like Marvel Mira. Um, I I don't have much else, and it seemed kind of just ham-fisted, like Bishop being like, Wave, I know who you are. They used to tell stories about you where I'm from, which is the future. Um, I... It just, I don't know this character, so 
coming into and coming out of it, I'm like, oh, that was cool. Bishop showed up. I didn't know who this character was. Oh, even after reading the story and getting introduced to her, I'm just like, I still don't know who this is. And then also, like, Bishop showing up. When she was like, Bishop, I was like, from the X-Men? <laughs> like, what's he, what's he doing here? Uh, and then I'm looking at the gun and his outfit, and I'm like, well, he's got the big scarf. He's got an X there. Oh, yeah, he's got an M. Why is he here? Like, it just did uh, not I, make it. I feel like this is spinning out of, like, some Marauder stuff where it makes sense for him to be doing, like, piratey things, like, on a beach somewhere. Um, I think that was probably just, like, the closest jump they could make to, for, for, frankly, like, a more recognizable superhero that's not Namor that could be by water. I don't know. I, I I can't. Yeah, and then they have stew at the end. Like they got they right. they're having dinner at the end. They're having a nice everyone bowl of stew good, and right. Like everyone likes a good stew. Like, nice guys. Wave is cool because Bishop thinks she's cool. Oh. Uh, and unfortunately, the next so, the next that's all you need to know. Next story is also another one that I didn't have anything going into because I'm not a new Warriors reader. I don't know who Silhouette is. So unfortunately, uh, singular plural from Jeremy Holt, uh, art by Alti Fermacia, didn't do anything for me either because it felt like I was reading a slice of life book, which there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's a viable form of entertainment if that's what you're into. It just doesn't speak to me. Um, Paul, I would much rather read the superhero stuff than the kid that's losing out on his basketball career because of like uh, MS died. MS, it's like it's. I don't need the story, but and that's just all on me because I don't know who the character is, and not to say it's not heartwarming at all. Um, the fact that Janelle is a superhero, as well as just a person going about their daily life that nothing nothing spoke to me and i I hate to sound like it's just it's well drawn like i think it's well written just nothing to pull me into this one yeah uh i i i liked this story and like you said i liked the art but i had no idea reminds me of like babs tar type stuff like like the crisp clean lines like everyone's like way too cool for me to talk to like i would not be able to approach any of these people and be like hey how's it going like you're all just too good looking um, but yeah there's just not not enough here and that's that's a me thing <laughs> yeah i i also don't like that you know the wine guy's kind of a jerk it looks like she slept with the guy with the whiskey the guy with the craft beer he's kind of an ass like the craft beer guys aren't assholes. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, no, but this character is kind of going on dates, trying to find, have a personal life and be a superhero. It doesn't have any suits or anything. I did, I didn't like this story as just like a slice of life. Again, I had no idea who the character was. I, I liked it better than the tidal wave whatever her name is wave and 
I, again, I think some of this is just not being familiar with the character or the franchise, because even the Jubilee story is, it's a slice of life. At no point in that book is she throwing fireworks at somebody. It's her sitting at a grave like, and just talking to her parents. Um, I mean, everything I said I didn't like about the story, I could apply to the Jubilee one, but I'm a Jubilee fan, so I just wasn't invested anymore. Uh, and the wave one is full of action, but it doesn't feel like anything is happening in the book. And yeah. I think it's a little bit for the art because there's stuff going on, like Bishop's laser blasting through waves. You know, I feel bad because we didn't, water, we didn't talk about it. That one, it's it's awesome looking. Like it's one of like the best superhero stories in this one, but it just gets overshadowed by my uninterest in the story. I think. Yeah, that's a gorgeous, I actually, that's a gorgeous I just, pages. Like going back looking at it, it's nice looking, but all the action—I don't even think it's that great looking because I there's too much going on on the page because they're trying to fit yes. too much into the story. It's kids splashing around. Oh, it's the splish splashiest place in the world. The splish, splish splashy, man. That's all that's happening. Don't worry, you worry about I it. I like it. You try to capture splish uh, splash. But the next story is one that made us splash. Wait a second, uh, no, too. No, segwaying. Wait, no, no. Already, like, no I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they knocked that merman out, and then they're eating him in the last panel. Uh, no, you're thinking of uh, Ron. That's, that's something that Joseph the Gollum would do. No. He's a golem. He doesn't need to eat. I don't know. What's Uh, the last... uh, Next up, we got Traditional Pink Sushi. Uh, This is written and drawn by Ken Nomura. This is taking place in the X-Men corner of things again, uh, focusing on armor and silver samurai. As they sit down uh, to make some traditional sushi, but they realize that their tradition isn't really tradition because they don't have real fish. They're using blue alien fish that they can get off the island. Uh, their rice is flavored with, was it, ketchup and mayo because they don't have rice vinegar. So they're doing what they can do. Uh, but traditions can come from anywhere. And I, I like the heart of the story. It's only like three pages, but it's cute. It's fun. I, I really enjoy this one. If this anthology had just been like those kind of big marquee characters that they had on the cover, and then this as like a fun little backup, I probably honestly would have had this book a little bit higher on my list. Because those marquee characters that they have on that cover, I think their stories are incredibly well done, and I did want more of them, kind of like you had said before, John. Uh, yeah, this was, like, fun and bubblegummy. Like, I didn't need this in the... I didn't need this story in this book, but it was fun that it was in here. It kind of almost felt like a palate cleanser yeah. to some of these stories. Paul? You, yeah. you, lo- you love the Christmas stuff, stuff, no? Yeah, it's fine. It's it's honoring the past while living in the present. That's what uh, it is. And one of the characters appearing in this book that kind of sold me on picking it up as well um, was Cindy Moon, Silk. And we get kind of a twofer with the Amadeus Cho. He's not Hulk. They call him Brawl. Don't read Hulk books, so I didn't know uh, he was Brawl. I didn't know Betty Wait, Banner's... Wait, that's not, that's not Burst, uh, Beast Boy? No. <laughs> he's wearing uh, a hoodie, and he's pretty, pretty pretty live and green, but no. 
I thought he turned into those birds in that page. No, the birds are being attracted to the statue. Um, I I dug this one, even though I don't know anything about Amadeus Cho. Again, don't read Hulk. Never been a Hulk fan. Um, I like the. Wasn't he awesome Hulk? Yeah, the totally awesome Hulk. Totally awesome. Uh, now he's known as Brawl because I guess Hulk's back. I don't know. Betty Banner's uh, Red Harpy now. She's not Red She-Hulk anymore. Um, this awakened me to a stereotype about Koreans. I didn't know that they were born angry. I don't know if that's a thing. Did you guys not read it? You both had faces I... that popped up. You know what? I, I didn't read this. I... Apparently ducked out after the silhouette. He, one. he literally, uh, Joe literally says that as he's punching uh, the scarecrow. I think by this time I was skimming these to wrap it up. I mm. think I was on a, a long break, as an extendo break, to finish reading this at work. Gotcha. It's called an extendo break, job. You've been correcting me all episodes. I also I'm thought it was Hulk. You then. <laughs> the book. That's, that's okay. Um, I I guess what we're learning is read the books if we're going to talk about the books. Uh, but New York City. I'm, I'm sorry. I I thought I was at the end with the silhouette one, but apparently there was more, and I went on to the next book. Uh, no, this one just doesn't end abruptly, like. The Galamots yeah. Among Us. Um, New York State of Mind, written by Maureen Gao, art by Lin Yoshi. I, I like this one. I wish it had a little bit more room to breathe because I, I like me some Cindy Moon. I like her relationship with Amadeus here. And I don't know how they become friends, but this is a friendship I would like to see more of. Um, speaking of seeing more, is was there enough in this book? And I feel like I know your answer already because you guys didn't actually finish reading it um was there enough here that if i did bring another one of these to the table would you be like yeah you know what i i would read another one of these because i do have a couple more coming up that i do plan on picking up because the stories that i enjoyed in this one i did like enough to be like yeah let me let me go this is something i do see i would like to support this book but i think it is better serviced giving these people time to breathe with these characters. Um, like I said up front, like it just seemed like they were too compact a story to really have a good story by them. And um, yeah, I, I think if you said, Oh, this one's really good. They focus on these couple characters. I feel like any anthology book is you're going to pick and choose the ones you're going to really want to read. And the other ones, you might skim to just finish the book. Um, and I think that's with any of the anthology books that we've, we've done, even like the, the Joker, the Joker book where it was all full of stories, the green arrow book um, that we had just read a couple months ago. Like you got to some points in some of those, you're just like, okay, let's, let's get, let's get through this story. And um, those just happen to be bigger books where those stories can, have a little bit room. Um, and the fact that you said you paid like 10 bucks for this is. I think it was ar- around there. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but, you know, I like reading comic books. I like talking about them with my friends. Um, I don't feel the need to go through like a full power rankings. Uh, you guys just want to do your top three? Um, 
Top three, I think. Top three. One or two is going to be um, Superman 78 and Kang. Like, it's a toss-up between those two. And then um, my number three is... Man. Maybe the... Man, I, I got you. Got my one and two, uh, Paul. You you go. Yeah. All right, my number one will be Kang the Conqueror because it does have that ex, that uh, Fantastic Four tie in, and also I do like that they keep on hinting that he's also related to Doom somehow. Uh, then my number two would be uh, yeah, Superman seventy eight. Number three. Batman eighty nine or Defenders or let's go with uh let's go with Batman eighty nine. Okay. Yeah, John, you I, ready with your? I think it would be third? another toss up between like Clown Hunter and Joseph the Gollum. Um, they could all just kind of fit in that space. Definitely, <laughs> Superman and Kang are the top tier in these books. And those two are kind of that middling, I'd read more. But I wouldn't, like, kick down doors and really go crazy for them. Uh, I'm right there with you. My number one would be Superman 78. Um, my number two, Kang. And then I'm going to say Clown Hunter because that's kind of the one out of all of these that I will definitely read more of if they have more of the Clown Hunter story and mm-hmm. something else or, like, a miniseries. Um I, I do want to say Batman Secret Files Clown Hunter was a step above the other two by by a big shot, but yeah, yeah. Just and I, I knew kind of going into it that that's not what you like from Batman. Like you, you like more of like the family, the legacy. Yeah, and I like my Batman characters to have plans and not just be like, "I'm going to beat this guy up." You know, he's he's. Kind of uh, going off half cocked. Yeah, we go off kind of half cocked every single week over here at the show. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Rate us, review us, reach out to us on the social medias, emails, bangboardcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. <laughs>